Anyway, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 1, verse 28 through 32, and I'm going to uh, lead that in just a moment. But I just want to pause for a moment, and I wanted to thank some of our volunteers, because we have, like, amazing, over-the-top, like, world-class volunteers. So you're not aware of this, but 6 o'clock in the morning, we got a team of volunteers here putting all the sound stuff up, and uh, some of them are in the back, and I just wanted to thank them. I wanted to thank Eli. He could give it up for Eli back there. Yep. Uh, I'd like to thank Jesse. Uh, there was Nick Carlos and Rivers Carlos, his son. Okay, so if you want to open uh, your Bibles and look on the screens there, Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 28, if you would stand to your feet with me. So we'd stand uh, to be encouraged by the public reading of Scripture, and uh, what we're doing is we are filling God's house, this tent, God's house with God's Word. God's people filling God's house with God's Word. So I'm going to read verse 28. This is New Living Translation, and you're going to read verse 29 and 31. This is the Word of the Lord. It says, Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them, or God gave them up, to their foolish thinking, and let them do things that should never be done. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. You may be seated. And Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you, Lord, that you provided for us to be here for those watching online. And Father, we declare that you're above our circumstances. You're above every situation that we face. And Lord, as we open your word, we pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding. We need you to be our teacher and help us to receive your truth. Give us clarity, perhaps, if we're confused somewhere. May we embrace and revel in your words. Thank you that you've washed away all of our sin that you forgive us and you give us brand new life. Thank you for Jesus that you went to the cross and rose again from the dead that we could experience forgiveness from God and one day be with you. So, Father, bless us, I ask, in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed by saying amen. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to unpack this passage. I'm going to review a little bit because to understand the passage, we really need to understand the previous verses. So let me say that if you haven't been able to be here, this is our first, fifth message in the book of uh, chapter 1 of Romans. And so every message is online for free, forever. So a context here, how, how did we arrive at this place? I want to remind you that the Apostle Paul is writing to a community of Christ followers like are assembled here today. But Rome was an X-rated culture, uh, one where anything goes, it was an invitation if you lived in Rome to do anything that you wanted to do. There were slave owners, uh, about a third of the people were slaves, and they were a sexually assaulted uh, slave owners that come home, take advantage of the women, the men, the children. It was just normal in that culture there. So Paul is writing to a church that's come out of that world, come out of that world. And so he sits down and he says, I'm going to write to the church in Rome I'm going to tell them what they need to know about their faith, what it looks like to follow Jesus, and what went wrong with our culture. I'm going to tell them what went wrong. And so Paul then is writing from the very epicenter in Corinth 
of the most degrading sexual perversion and pornographic deities imaginable, writing to Rome. And so he's writing to Rome where immorality is prevailing, a place where the culture is one of extreme promiscuity, a place where uh, the sexual ethic of the Christ-following culture was in great contrast and clashed with the culture like we're experiencing today. So let me say this. If you're new to church, it's going to be a great morning because you're going to see what happened to humanity, what went wrong. We're going to unpack that. And so the steps that a culture uh, takes to go down. And while doing that, I need to say this. I know that some cultural toes are going to be stepped on. Uh, We're not trying to be bashing of anyone at all, but also we don't want to back down from what God has said, right? And so the text tells us not just what happened in the Roman Empire, but what happens in the empires of today. So the words that we're reading are not just Paul writing to Rome. They're Paul writing to us. These words are timeless, and they are timely. And so not just to an ancient city a couple thousand years ago, but to us. And so the application is unbelievable. So this is not just a message for the good people and the bad people. No, this is a message for all people because all people need Jesus Christ. And so, and because of the immense darkness of our day, we need to hear these words like they needed to hear them at that time. The darkness was intensifying like it is in our day. So today we're going to be pointing out what God says to a nation that is in decline, a nation that is forgetting God. So I'm going to begin reviewing in verse 18, says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so we are told that the wrath of God or the anger of God is coming and will come to expression. Well, why? There's three reasons why God's wrath is justified. One of the reasons is given here in verse 18 is that they suppress the truth. They suppress the truth. Uh, and so that is a pervasive problem. I like to unpack that for a moment because we have a problem, and the problem is that the speaker here this morning is a truth suppressor. By that I mean that we can hold down the truth, we can press down the truth, and this is how people go through life. This is how people go through life. They go through life suppressing the truth. Now, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I think I'm going to have my coffee, and I think I'm going to suppress the truth today. You know, we don't think that way, but it's a reality here that when people don't want to deal with God, don't want to have God in their lives, they want to ignore the truth, they want to suppress the truth, that's what happens. And so I, Rod Collins, I lived that way until I actually heard the truth. But I suppressed the truth. I ignored the truth until I actually heard the truth preached to me. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. So what is the truth that we're suppressing? It is the truth of God, the truth about Jesus Christ. So as a nation, we began to do this years ago, suppressing the truth. And perhaps you saw this Uh, Time Magazine on the screens now, if you want to look up, saying that God is dead. And as a nation, 
we made a declaration that we were beginning to suppress the truth. So how do we suppress the truth? But we take a posture of, I want to keep God at arm's distance because it's kind of cramping my lifestyle. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So I think I'm going to ignore God. I think I'm going to reject God. I'm going to keep it at arm's distance. And if I could just hit the God eject button, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to push God away. So and I'm, the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to suppress the truth about God. And friends, I would submit to you that this is the story of America. So, God, I don't want you messing with my morality. I want to do what I want to do with whoever I want to do. And I want to do sex my way. So I'm going to hold you at arm's distance. And I'm going to suppress the truth about God. So there's never been a nation, friends. There's never been a nation that has received so much truth about God. And so we are without excuse. Think about the unprecedented number of crusades. The great Billy Graham crusades. Before that, the great Oral Roberts crusades. Billy Sunday crusades. Christian TV. Uh, great preachers. Radio broadcasts. Online YouTube sermons. We can get as much as we want whenever we want. Blogs, Bible colleges, podcasts. It's all out there. Unlike any other nation in the earth, we've received so much truth. But the reality is, wouldn't you agree that we've suppressed the truth? And how have we done that? We've suppressed the truth in public life. We've suppressed the truth in political life. We've suppressed the mind of God in our schools, in our educational systems. We've suppressed the truth of God in public places. America is suppressing the truth. Our culture, our friends, our world suppresses the truth. And so notice then what it says in verse 19 on the screens there. It says, they know the truth about God because God has made it obvious to them. Another translation reads, for what can be known about God is plain because God has showed it to them. And so the truth then is clearly shown in creation. It is abundantly obvious, and let me unpack that, that God is speaking to everyone about himself through the creation. Some people are wondering like, well, I don't know about that. I, I don't know that I believe that. I don't know that I think that. I don't know if I get it, how it's so obvious that God is, uh, by looking at creation, that you can see that God exists. Really? So here's what it's saying, that it all centers around the idea of design. Designs, designs uh, that when you look at things around here, if I could grab something, uh, maybe a, a purse. Can I borrow the purse? Let me borrow the purse. Okay, so somebody had this design in mind, right? This just didn't happen, but somebody had a creative design and had the creative thing going on and figured out the fabric and how they're going to make that. But that points to a designer. All things created point to someone has designed it. And so when you look at the creation, it points to a designer, a creator is what it's saying here. So it all centers around the idea of design that creation shows us that it has been designed. just doesn't happen. So where there's design, there must be a designer. So this is a recognition then of a divine design is something that is factored in to all human beings, is what it's saying. That is screaming that God exists. And so the Bible says in Romans 1.20 tells us why. Through everything God made, 
they can clearly, not kind of, not ambiguously, but clearly see his invisible qualities. So what it's saying is echoing Psalm 19, which says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. In other words, people can look at the sky, look up, and see that, oh yeah, there's a creation, there's a voice that proclaims everywhere that God exists. Now, verse 21 continues to unpack the downward spiral of humanity that suppresses the truth and rejects God, verse 21. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. Now, look what happens. Their minds became dark and confused. So what the Bible is saying is this. It's saying that uh, if I don't allow myself to have a life centered on God, to adore him, to worship him, I will worship something else. There is within all of us a God-shaped void. And so we're we're created to worship. Friends, we are hardwired to worship. So we must worship something. If we don't worship the creator, we begin to worship the lesser things of the creation. And so the Bible is telling us that This is the reality, the inescapable reality. So watch what happens when I suppress the truth and I remove God from my conscience, what happens? My mind then becomes dark. When you reject the light, your heart becomes darkened. Now this is an incredible thing to unpack here and to recognize because who is going to tell you this but the Scripture? It means that when your heart becomes darkened, that literally in the original language from the English comes from the Greek, that rationally and logically concerning the issues of life, your mind becomes less capable of rational thoughts. I'm going to unpack this here and give some illustrations of that. But really, this is the story of America when you think about it. When a person in society, a culture rejects God, then there is a downward progression where people say, ah, there's no God I don't believe in God. It doesn't exist in my world. You, become, you begin to worship other things, and then there becomes to be darkness in your heart and your being. So what does God do with all of that? Does God have a response? Verse 24. When we choose not to worship God, when we choose to suppress the truth, here's what happens. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Other translations read, God gave them up. Does he really mean that? Well, verse 24 tells us that, verse 26, and verse 28. And so there's a a repeating of this little passage, God abandoned them or God gave them up, because when someone has unchecked, runaway desires, there comes a point where God says, okay, have it your way. I'm done, and God says, abandons, or gives up on them. So think about it. The Scripture implies that, and we know that God is with you and God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, the world, everyone, gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him would not perish and have everlasting life. The Bible says that God wills that no one would perish, but everyone would come to eternal life. So there is God by his Spirit wooing, loving, beckoning, romancing the heart of humanity, What happens is, is people begin to suppress the truth and say, 
God, I'm, I'm just not interested. I don't want to go your way. And God is loving them and all. But the time comes where God says, I can't take another step. You need to know I cannot take another step. This is not good, the direction that you're going in. And so, but I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it anyways, is the posture of some people. And God, by his spirit, wrestling with people, don't do it. But I'm going to do it anyway, God. I'm going to, I'm going to have it my way. And so don't do it, but she's cute, and I want to do it, and I'm married. But God, I don't care. I'm going to do it even though you're telling me not to do it. So you descend down and take another step. And God says, no, don't take that step. Don't go further down. And it reaches a point where you go down and down and again and again and again. And this is the, the reality of humanity is that God is going to say, that's as far as I'm going down. I'm not going to chase you anymore. And God then gives up and abandons humanity, the individuals that make up humanity. And so is this true? Have we seen this in Scripture? Well, think of Sodom and Gomorrah when God says, hey, I can't go any further with you. You're going too low. I've gone as far down as I can go. You think of the great flood when Noah then for 120 years is preaching righteousness and telling the people to get right with God and they're thinking he's an idiot and all that. And so, but the day came when people entered into the ark and then the ark was closed and God said, we're done. And so this is a reality here where God said, I cannot put up with this anymore and I cannot go any further. So when people resist God, friends, when they resist God, and they say, I've never cared about you. I don't want you in my life. I don't care about what you've said. See you, God. The time comes when God says, okay, see you. So that's what the Bible is saying here in verse 24, 25. So you keep going down, and God's not going to go with you forever. So God says, that is it, and he abandons them. So we read here then in verse 25 that, watch, what happened is, the next thing is, in the downward progression, suppressing the truth of God, uh, their hearts becoming darkened, darkened, uh, worshiping other things than God. Here it is, verse 25. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served other things. So according to God, there's a lie out there, watch people, that people believe. And this is true in America today that God doesn't want us to believe the lies that are out there, but the lies abound, and so I want to unpack some of those. First of all, it says that when you reject God, uh, what are you left to worship? When you're not worshiping God, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart here, then you're going to worship the lesser things, the wrong things, things that never satisfy. And so you deny the Creator, and then you end up worshiping all the stuff in creation. I observed this in my father that, uh, was an entrepreneur and successful, so he could afford pretty much whatever he wanted. And so I saw him, uh, and I watched my whole life him trying to fill his void inside with stuff, with a new car every year, with new houses, new vacations, new sets of golf clubs, new this, new that, trying to fill that. And perhaps you've seen people like that too that they're always trying to fill the void inside of them. And so it says that if you don't worship God, you're going to worship 
something, somebody, maybe yourself. You're going to run after, you're going to seek after something. Maybe it'll be sex. Maybe it'll be money or power or positions or prestige or titles or all sorts of things here. But you're going to run after something because that's how you're hardwired by God to want to have something that you endure and worship. So now with that background in review, let me look at verse 28. It says this. It says, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. Now notice it says, since they thought. I want to drill down on that a little bit because the mind is the battleground in culture today. And everyone is vying for your mind. And you look at the educational system today, how they're trying to shape children's minds from the beginning. So uh, since they thought, they thought how you think is so important. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So everyone wants to control your mind. You need to recognize this in culture. They want to control how you think. And so there's so much content out there being relentlessly driven at us, attacking and trying to shape your mind and how you think. For example, Sesame Street, if you watch it now, has two dads, no mom, and telling little impressionable minds, this is what you are to think. The nuclear family, the new reality is two dads, but no mom to be found. Nickelodeon has on it transvestites introducing themselves to children, to your children, telling them how to think. See, the truth of God is being exchanged for lies, lies that are rampant in our culture. I quote from a school curriculum uh, book for children, I think it's in all of the states in America, and it defines gender this way. Gender, it says, Gender identity is is how a person feels. No longer male and female, female, how a person feels and who they know themselves to be when it comes to their gender. And it goes on to say that you can look at your your biological gender. If you don't feel that way, then to to reconcile that, well, that's okay. So gender is, uh, but the Bible says is, gender is not how you feel. But this is what is being, this is the new uh, American truth there. So the Bible says prof- prophetically that we're abandoning, we're, we're being abandoned to foolish thinking. It literally means moronic thinking. For example, then continuing, sexuality is just a broad spectrum. That you are whatever you feel that day, that's who you are. So if I'm identifying as a woman, that's who I am that day then uh, now the foolish thinking of our American uh, system is that guys and girls go into the same bathroom, showers. Where's that going to lead, friends? Uh, more on that in a moment. But there are lies out there that we believe, and really it is the foolish thinking, the darkening of the American conscience that, that, that the Bible talks about here. So I'm just going to unpack a few more uh, ways that we believe lies. Here's a, here's a typical lie that we believe. Because God is loving, or an individual for that matter, you must be tolerant. Okay, how much is that rammed down your throats today? So uh, what we have then is uh, that we're taking love and we're taking tolerance 
And we're blending them as if it's the same thing when it is not. So Revelation chapter 3, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 20, Jesus said this, I have this against you that you tolerate. So here now God himself does not tolerate everything. It says Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my service, servants to practice sexual immorality. So God says, you know what? There's like a line there. And when, you, when people are telling my people to, to cross the line and practice sexual immorality, I'm not tolerant of that, and I'm going to be intolerant. And Jezebel today could be professors in universities or seminaries or colleges or uh, church bishops for that matter, where they're neutralizing repentance and the power of repentance. And the Bible says that you're wrong and you need to change. You, you, you have S-I-N within you and you're wrong. And tolerance says, no, you're not wrong. Like that's your reality and you're, you're fine and that's your truth and this is my truth. And we just have to love and accept and celebrate one another. The truth is God loved you so much that he takes you as you are, but loves you too much to leave you as you are. And so we can all agree that in some uh, places, intolerance is good. Let me unpack that for you. So say, for example, uh, you have to have a surgical procedure, and you have to go to the, see the surgeon at the local hospital, but your doctor just happens to smoke. He just, he's a smoker, and, uh, uh, and he, he wants you to not be intolerant of his smoking, and he wants to smoke while he operates on you. you know, can you imagine that? Okay, scalpel, forceps. Okay, uh, sutures. You know, and, he, and he wants to do that. You would say, well, I think, I think uh, uh, we're going to not be tolerant of that, but he may say to you, you're being intolerant of my smoking. And so I would ask this, is it okay for sex offenders to be preschool teachers? Are you ready to, to enroll your kids in preschool where you know this is a registered sex offender? No, we would say, no, we don't tolerate that. Okay, so let me make sure I understand you. So you do believe in intolerance. You just don't like it when it applies to you. That's what's happening in the culture today. So we don't like intolerance. Uh, we're supposed to be intolerant. I mean, we're supposed to have, be tolerant uh, unless it is some way that we don't like it. So what has happened is the definition of tolerance has changed. It used to be when you're wrong, okay, uh, you can think whatever you want to think, but you're wrong. Now tolerance is uh, that you are not wrong and you are not right, and I'm not wrong and I'm not right, and I need to celebrate you and you need to celebrate me. And if you don't celebrate me, you're intolerant and you are a homophobe and you are racist because you don't tolerate me. And we've taken it to this whole conclusion that really, it really is where we've gone from what was once truth to now it's such a lie. And we're under tremendous cultural pressure to believe lies here. And so let me continue here. Let me just say this. Unless... Uh, uh, the way it is now, unless I celebrate and support you, then I'm considered intolerant. Unless I, I march in your parade, uh, then I'm intolerant. But let me just say this. 
if you or people are so insecure about their beliefs that you have to have approval and others have to celebrate whatever it is, maybe you're so insecure about your convictions that you need to reconsider them. Maybe you need to reconsider them. So anyway, so the truth of God exchanged for a lie. I want to give another one, Jesus on marriage. Mark chapter 10, verse 5 and through 8 says this. Jesus said, from the beginning of creation, he said, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So Jesus goes Genesis in chapter 1 of the of chapter 1 of Genesis 2 and 3 and so he gives his definition of what is marriage from Genesis there not a spectrum of whatever you want to be whatever day however you feel and people could say well that that's so narrow uh, well and then it says uh, god made them male and female well what kind of man well it's identified as a man not a man that identifies as a man, not a man that's just like a man in his heart. No, a man. So Jesus said that we are male and female, and marriage forever, in God's eyes, is between a man and a woman there. And so although sex, gender, and sexuality in culture should be open-handed, whatever you think issues, God has said, no, it's not open-handed. It's been defined there by God, whose word stands forever. And so when we're talking about Genesis, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, we're talking about gender, talking about creation, we're talking about males, females, we're also talking about Satan, demonic deception there. And so, but think about it, friends. If we get rid of that, where are the moorings for culture? Where, where do we have uh, any normal? And there, there'll be no baseline for what is normal anymore. And we don't have any norms uh, and how this is the whole movement of our nation is where is that going to take us? I'll tell you, it will take us the same place as the, the Roman culture there, which where pedophilia was accepted and practiced in the culture. I was absolutely norm. And so if, there, if there's no, like, lines that are drawn, friends, uh, what is going to be the age appropriateness for adults for consensual sex? Is it going to be 18, or is it going to change uh, to be 16? And it's going to change from 16 to 14, from 14 to 12, from 12 to 7. I mean, where are we going to go? If it's all arbitrary, there's no universal, if there's no universal law giver, there's no universal law where is it going to end up? And so this is why we've got to hold to the Scripture. So the battle, lastly, I want to say this. The battle that we face, it's, it's those issues, but it is much larger than those issues. In Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the unseen, hierarchical, demonic, satanic world that we can't see that empowers and comes to expressions in the, in the world that we can see. And so it says, uh, we battle not against flesh and blood, just against who we see. Or on this level, there's another battle in the unseen realm. In this level, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's influencing our world. And so what we're seeing is that the reality of this 
is that our, there's a work in our world seeking to seduce, seeking to entice, seeking to shape our thinking, to control, to, uh, to purport to exercise a demonic agenda that Ephesians chapter 6 talks about. And so then it begins to unpack in verse 29 and 30 here, it begins to unpack what happens when a nation uh, rejects God. So most of the things are, are self-explanatory, but I just want to point out, and this is just the tip of the iceberg of a society that's abandoned God, but I just want to point this out, verse 29, look at this. It says, their lives became full of these things, full of every kind, and then it lists uh, 21 different things. So full of means full of to overflowing. The idea is like when you have a glass and you're pouring water in, and it just keeps overflowing and overflowing. So it is not just these things here mentioned, but overflowing uh, without measure is what it's talking about. And so and, uh, they're, they're pretty self-explanatory. So I'm not going to go through the list here uh, in detail. But the bottom line is this. It says, look, people are just testing HIV positive. They're testing SIN positive. And here's the expression of that. Verse 31. And they refuse to understand and break their promises, are heartless. How true is that? Have no mercy or without understanding. Uh, that is, again, to say that they're without intelligent thought concerning God or morality. It literally means this renders them incapable of any uh, wise decision-making toward God, toward morality. They have no comprehension of who God is, right or wrong. Watch. Literally means becomes indistinguishable to people. Isn't that true of our, our, our culture today. And so it closes by saying this, verse 32. And they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Watch. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. The downward trajectory of a, of a nation, a person that rejects God. This is ultimately what happens here, that this is the end result. Watch. They encourage, it's not just enough that they do them, they encourage others to do them too. So we do not live in an age where people are content just to be deviant on their own. They've got to, the truth of it, 2,000 years ago, friend, friends, speaking into culture today, they encourage others to do them too. And so think of the sex industry. Think of pornography. I mean, it's on the internet. It is worldwide human trafficking. We find out uh, that so many people are being involved in this, uh, people in high places, uh, but now it's gone global. And you look at that and you think, well, what is the hope? Well, I want to close with this, because Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And this is why Paul said in verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of good news. Because the good news is the good news is the power of God that people can be right with God. And friends, we have the good news to tell. And so we cannot change the downward plunge of society uh, by, by just, you know, lobbying our politicians. We can't uh, change voting merely by trying to 
uh, put certain candidates in office, though we should. But what we can do, and while we need to fight while, with the time that remains and do everything we can as long as we can with what God's given us where we are, to make a dent in the darkness, and here we are in a tent in Ukaipa. One day, this will be a light shining uh, in a building. Next year, we, we should be, begin construction. But this is our domain. This is the area where we can make a difference. So, friends, we want to do that. In your relational circles, in our community, we want to do everything we can as long as we can. God is stirring my heart with this. God is, I feel the, 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 the um, kind of the unction and the pushing to do more, to do more. So on Tuesday, I will be at the police department speaking and praying. I get to pray over the police department. I want to strategically uh, just take steps to get to know them, to build uh, roads of redemptive rapport with, with uh, the, the, the culture, the community, uh, the people, the fire department, the police department, um, the mayor. I want, I want to influence this city for Jesus Christ. Do everything we can, as long as we can. So um, 7 o'clock, Tuesday morning, I'll be praying for uh, the police department at their, their um, whatever the meeting is called. So anyway, so that's who we are. That's where we're going. Yeah, is it dark out there? Yeah. But when the darkness shines, let the light shine greater. Jesus said, uh, let your light so shine before men, okay, that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that's what we want to do. We want to let our light shine. So stand to your feet. And Father, thank you for your word, which is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And Father, I thank you that you are a God who forgives, that you are a God who heals, that you're our only hope. Oh, we need more of you. We need more of your Holy Spirit. We worship you, the creature, the creator, and not the cre creation. And Father, may we see that the battle is not just against flesh and blood, but there's a war beyond the war, that there are powers and principalities, and we appeal to you and say in Jesus' name, Lord, would you rebuke the darkness that is behind all of the confusion that is bringing destruction, not only to our community, but to our nation. So Father, may we recognize that today is the day to be right with God. So that's you, you wanna be right with God, just yield your life to Jesus Christ and pray a simple prayer like this. Father, I want to follow you. I want to be right with God. I proclaim Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I turn from my sin, and I turn to you. I want to live for Christ. Give me the power to follow truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.